0: Coming at you from coast to coast. It's the Real Deal Podcast. With your hosts, Ian Phillips and Cassie Grimaldi.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. My name is Ian Phillips, I like movies a lot, and I'm here with my co-host, Cassie Grimaldi. Hello, Cassie.
0: Hi, I'm Cassie and I like movies and TV a lot.
1: Yeah, and uh there's a lot of movie podcasts out there, but uh all those other podcasts are weeds and we're a garden rose, so that's just...
0: not true.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some
0: I'm... of them are
1: good. Some of them. Nah, yeah, I'm kidding. But um all right, let's uh let's get started uh this week. Uh we're gonna start with a little bit of news. Um so More community news this week. Community, which is becoming the TV version of Star Wars, as in there's just a new story about any little development about it, but this was a big thing this week. So Community got canceled uh, by NBC, but now Mm there is word that it will be coming to Yahoo for a sixth and final season before a very possible movie. Um, This is a big deal because it's the first big-budget big-name project that Yahoo has taken on and that they now are going to become a a big thing in, like, the online distribution and streaming game. Like, they want to be the next Netflix and Amazon and all of that. But uh, I don't know. This means a lot, the fact that Community is coming back. And as big as a Community fan as we both are, as you know, we did an po- entire podcast episode where we talked about our favorite episodes of Community because we thought it was a goner. But... Do you also feel that mixed feeling about community coming back?
0: Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. Because I hate when people bring things back and they're like, we're going to redo it, we have a whole new platform and a whole new show, <laughs> and it's like,
1: meh, stop. Yes, that, that's exactly it's how... Ter- it's terrifying. It's terrifying, but there are there's good possibilities to it. The fact that Dan Harmon will still be there, and for now he's still to be trusted... Because he seems he seems to know what he's doing, even though now he's also working on Rick and Morty, another project. But I mean, we've seen this happen recently with <sighs> Arrest Development. Did you like season four of Arrest Development?
0: I I uh, it, I mean, it wasn't as good as it used to be. I was no, there the story was too much about George Senior and not enough about Buster. Buster was like the best part of the fourth season, I thought.
1: Of the first of the first three seasons.
0: No, of the fourth, of the new part, and, like, he was so sparse
1: in it, and... That's true, but when he was there, he was great. Maybe that's why he was great, because they used him sparingly.
0: Yeah, maybe, but it wasn't strong, as strong as it used to be. No,
1: no, it was not as strong. It might get better on repeat viewings, but, like, I really did like this new season of Rest Development. I'm happy it was there, but the Mm -hmm. thing is, if they didn't make it, I don't think I would have complained, because like the first 3 seasons are perfect. And I also feel that about Community, like seasons 1 through 3
0: mm-hmm.
1: were absolutely perfect. Season 4 is the forgotten mm. season and season 5 was mostly really good, save for a few episodes towards the end. And I think yeah. that I'm just afraid bring it back again just even if the season is really good like I don't know what's like the fact that they just keep bringing it back again and again it just doesn't seem right. Does that does that make sense? kind of I mean
0: it's uh it has resilience so I don't know. Yeah, It's interesting.
1: Yeah, but like how would you feel if like a zombified version of Freaks and Geeks came back? Well, that wouldn't be good
0: cuz they're all old now.
1: Yes, that's true. They are all old. But like I always have I have a very idealistic view of TV shows and I like to think that all of my favorite ones will end Exactly how I want them to, but that doesn't really happen that often. Like, mm-hmm. besides maybe the only time I really think of it happening, just ending absolutely perfectly, was Thirty Rock.
0: Yeah, or Breaking Bad.
1: Yeah, or Breaking Bad. But like, I just want to think about all these. I wish, like, I just, I wish The Simpsons would have ended during its prime, or that The Office might have ended during its prime. All these shows, but like, or mm-hmm. that that Community. I really want commu- Community was a show that was so good that it deserved to just have this kind of like perfect conclusive ending which season three kind of had
0: yeah I agree and the season finale of this season wasn't too bad either
1: no it wasn't it felt like it could have been a series finale because they've saved this this is like what like the third time they've saved the school yeah so I don't really know what they're going to do with this season especially because there's no no Donald Glover no Chevy Chase they they did okay without them yeah I just I don't know it seems I'm I'm part part of me is still excited for it because it's always really cool to see what Dan Harmon is gonna do next. Yeah. And we will no matter what, we're gonna watch it and we're probably gonna podcast about it. Probably. Probably. Alright, let's Unless uh, one of us dies. Unless do you have any other thoughts on uh the community news?
0: Um I'm nervous, but I'm excited.
1: Those are those are good feelings to have. We're we're a mix of both here at the Real Deal Podcast, nervous and excited. All right, let's move on to uh, analog. This this is where we talk about current TV shows. Um, usually, summer is would be a slower season for TV, but not anymore. Um, HBO just on this past Sunday had a debut of its newest drama called The Leftovers, which comes mm-hmm. from Carlton Cuse. Am I is it Carlton Cuse or Damon Lindelof? I'm I've done my research before. David Lindelof. David Lindelof, who is known uh, most famously for Lost, um, is showrunner of this new show, uh, which is about one day imagining that 2% of the Earth's population suddenly disappeared in a kind of rapture-like situation, and nobody knows why it happened, but it's less about why it happened and more about the implications and how it impacted individuals' lives. Um. Mm-hmm. So this the this, this, this uh series premiere was pilot was very bleak, and I thought it was a mixed a mixed pilot. There were some scenes I thought were really were really good and showed a lot of promise for the series. But like in between that, like it's a really interesting idea and I had trouble holding my attention. I don't know how did you feel?
0: Um. First of all, it was a very long. Pilot yeah it was
1: I, a, it was like an hour fifteen minutes,
0: but I don't think that's that uncommon no the fargo na- I think the nowadays. fargo I
1: think the Fargo pilot was ninety minutes long
0: uh yeah, I don't remember, but anyway <laughs> um yeah i got i kind of got the feeling that I get from a lot of like contemporary horror movies like it was very dry, but even though there are people screaming and like getting beaten and like you know some some disturbing stuff was going on but I think that approach to uh, of of being as dry as possible to disturbing material is sort of played out and I thought I had a lot of that mm-hmm. but I thought there were definitely some parts that were strong. It so um dry. I honestly thought that the it sort of ended like a short film might have yes. the ending of the show. It seemed the the story itself. I was talking. It's based on a book, and yeah. I was listening to the author of the book talk about it, and it seemed like a lot more complex and interesting than the series. The series felt a bit like it can a concept that I might see in like a college age student film.
1: But it is that 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 is true. Is the con? Are you saying like? They kind of, was the, the concept was more complex in the book? Yes. How And how so? people were
0: reacting to it. Um, well, I didn't read the book. Oh. I just heard an interview yeah. with the author, and, um, the, I think the series suggests that there's going to be an answer to why, and the book is thematically more about uncertainty. And I well, guess we'll see that more as the series... Yeah. goes on, but...
1: I, I really hope there's no answer, because so far that's what I like. Something I do like about the story is I feel like it's less about the answer why, and more about more about the consequences and more about what it's like to just suddenly one day a loved one of yours just vanishes out of thin air. I thought the... You were talking about there was like a few really well done scenes. I thought the opening was like mass really good was masterfully dumb where you just see the car just suddenly spin out of control and the cart go and push out of nowhere. It was really awesome. As our producer just said, opening was dope. Mm hmm. Um, well, I like-
0: thought a few scenes that I really didn't like were the party scene with the teenagers. Me neither. And the scene at the bar when it was sort of just, like, a an arbitrary full circle type of thing. When but he's was, talking
1: to the woman, you mean, right? Yeah, and you're like, well, yeah, rapture sucks, ho <laughs> ho, <laughs> I'll bring to that, like... It didn't need to be there. Yeah, it was I, stupid. Th- the party scene really annoyed me, and this is, I guess this, this, is, this isn't really, this, like, I guess this knocks the show kind of, not completely, but it's more about the way I've seen high school scenes portrayed. High school party scenes were movies and TV shows. I just remember seeing, like, the pilot of Bates Motel. They have a scene where he goes to a party, and it, like, looks like it's in somebody's, like, basement. Like, a kid's basement. It looks like they're in some ridiculous club. I don't know what the kids these days are doing, but, like, these are not <sighs> what high school parties look like. I know kids these days. but Like, high school parties do not look like that. It's usually just a bunch of kids with, like, a few, like, 30s they were able to find, and then they're just drinking until the cops show up. It's not, like, giant laser shows and whatever they're doing. It just, it doesn't, it feels like that all the people that are filming high school party scenes do not remember high school at all.
0: Yeah, they're always really bizarre. It's like, oh, we gotta show these kids using their phones and being all crazy, because kids these days are just, like, doing it. It's like, I feel like high school party scenes are written by that reporter who's like, have you heard the latest trends that teens are <laughs> choking each other while they jack off? Like, that's the person who writes these scenes and
1: thinks that yes. every changer do you know that. Do you know they play spin, the, they will just play spin the bottle now? They play spin the bottle with sex?
0: Yeah, and iPhones and burning, like.
1: There, there, I, I need to look, there must be, there, I, that seems plausible there is an iPhone app with spin the bottle.
0: Yeah, Probably,
1: but that ruins the meaning of spin the bottle. It's just spin the phone.
0: Yeah, you're supposed to drink. They didn't <sighs> know the rules. They that,
1: didn't exactly. That's what we're saying. These high school parties. They don't. These high school kids. They don't know anything these days. Some high
0: school kids are old souls, though. So. Yes,
1: yeah, some of them. So
0: anyway, that seemed bothersome. Yeah. Us.
1: So let's uh, move on. And right? also,
0: the teenager, teenage girl in general, was just like, I. She's moody because her mom doesn't live with them anymore. But she's like. Moody with no depth. She just, like, had glaring eyes and didn't say she's just anything. Like,
1: she's just, like, kind of like a Thor Birch in, uh, American Beauty type. That's what but I see. But less deep. Less deep. She hasn't, she hasn't met her Ricky Fitz yet, maybe.
0: Yeah, but that's not all that should matter. No, anyway. it's not.
1: Um, what did you think of, uh, Justin Thoreau as the lead? He's usually, he's known as an actor for film and a screenwriter as well.
0: Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. He didn't... He was just like. He, he didn't particularly stand out to me yet, but he, there's definitely no. potential for him to stand out.
1: No, um, I. Yeah, I agree. He's just
0: like typical. I think he was like Matthew Fox in the pilot of Lost. He was just yeah. like that guy that stuff was happening to.
1: Yeah, but I always found Matthew Fox probably the dullest part of Lost, and Justin Thoreau has a lot of range and can do a lot of different kinds of characters i actually watched i watched wanderlust this past weekend which i will talk about later on when we uh, review they came together but justin thoreau has like the very a very weird part and then he's really funny and like Mm -hmm. you know when you see dramatic actors who can also when you see an actor who can be known for comedy do a dramatic role like you sort of wish that they could bring that comedy into it and he does not really at all no it's a very bleak script i hope that it like has I guess I hope it lightens up a little bit or at least maybe adds something like that to the mix so it's not just like low winter sun all the time like just bleakness with no reason yeah but I do really like the concept and also I'm not going to spoil the ending because the pile just came out so people should still have a chance to see it but it has a really it has a really good ending like you said felt like a short film ending in a way yeah it, uh, I, it's like, it was almost a hook, but not quite. But I just like the, I, I'll i just say I like the idea at the ending produced, is that, like, this world is, like, this world that they're in right now doesn't look that much different from the world we're used to, but it is different. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to kind of, it just, it was like, basically, if this was a screenplay, like, the end was that part of any screen, was the part of that screen, of the screenplay where they enter the new world and have to adapt to it. Even though it's been, even though it's been, it's kind of weird. It's been three years since everyone disappeared and yet he still doesn't seem to understand anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I liked the one part I really did like was when they were going through which celebrities had disappeared. Oh yeah. Do you remember? That was really
1: funny. I remember, uh, there was the Pope, uh, Gary, Gary Busey, Busey, Shaquille bon O'Neal, Ray. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. You, remember, you don't remember any of the others? I forget. That that was it, was it was funny. I think there's a list on Vulture or something somewhere. It was really good. It
0: was a funny humor joke. Anyway. It was.
1: We like the humor jokes. Um, Anything else you'd like to say about The Leftovers? Uh, do, you, do you think you would keep watching?
0: I might. I'll probably give the... No, I feel like you should always give TV shows a chance past the pilot.
1: No, you're right. I think it deserves one more. Especially, like I said, since it had... Yeah, uh, since it had such a good ending, I hope it gets a little. It just tightens up and catches my attention a little more this time. Yeah, I'll be
0: I'll be there for one or two more.
1: Yeah, we'll be there for it. I support Justin <sighs> Thoreau. <sighs>
0: okay, <sighs>
1: we got it. okay. I uh, guess
0: that's our time to move on.
1: Yeah, that uh, that caps up our discussion of the leftovers. Uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. But uh, don't change that dial, because when we come back, we're going to have our review of They Came Together. Welcome back to the Real Deal Podcast, everyone. It is time for Real Talk. This is when we review... A new movie from this week. And this Mm -hmm. week we are going to review They Came Together, a new comedy that's out both in limited release and on demand. Uh, Just a very brief plot summary because too much (sighs) summary of this movie's plot would be pointless. So They Came Together is uh, a romantic comedy that's also making fun of romantic comedies. And Paul Rudd plays the lead named Joel – who mm-hmm. is self-described as uh, vaguely Jewish, uh, but not too Jewish, and um, Amy Poehler plays Molly, who's the other romantic lead, who's kind of a klutz, and the two of them, well, they come together and fall in love. That's mm-hmm. bas- that's basically all all you really need to know about the plot. Is that does that sound right? Yep, that's it. That's it. That's the thing. Now we were Cassie and I were especially excited for this because. This is basically the whole crew from Wet Hot American Summer, The State, Stella, all these people. They all, they came together and made a new comedy. And every time they make something, it's always really, it's always very weird and unconventional and a lot of fun to watch. It's directed by David Wayne and written by David Wayne and Michael Showalter. uh, Cassie and I are both big fans. But um, Cassie, what did you think of They Came Together?
0: I loved it. I liked it a lot.
1: That's great. I'm happy to hear. I, I agree with you there. Um, what were you? I know you are somebody, you are more knowledgeable on romantic comedies than I am. Do you mm-hmm. think that it was a good spoof of the genre?
0: Um, yeah, I do. I do think that it's a thing that it was.
1: Yes, that is a thing that it was. Correct. Um, it was a very, <laughs> yes, it was a very interesting kind of spoof. It's, I don't know how to... I'm like still thinking I love this movie, but I'm still not sure of how to describe it, and I feel like I need to see it a few more times before I give like a really accurate judgment of it.
0: Yeah, I only watched it twice.
1: You saw it twice? Yeah, but yes. How did it Did it hold up on the second viewing?
0: Um. Yeah, I don't think I paid as close attention to it the second time I watched okay. it. Okay. But, but uh, yeah, it definitely held up. There's more things I noticed and more things I thought about for sure. That's good Which These are, I think yeah. is what's supposed to happen.
1: Well, those are the best kind of comedies are the ones that you find more things that are funny the second time around because I can think of I can like list and think of some comedies that um the first time I saw them they were hilarious, and the second time I'm like, Oh, there's nothing new here. Comedy's always about finding something new and that's why Movies like The Big Lebowski and oh, perfect to bring this up, what Hot American Summer, uh become cult classics because there's more and more to notice about them. Mm-hmm. And um so they came together as a romantic comedy. It was it was very interestingly made it's not the kind of spoof you would think of because it's self aware, but it also tries to be a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've if you've seen McGruber, it's kind of that whole thing is like to kind of like spoof what you want to spoof by becoming it. Yeah,
0: I don't. I've actually haven't seen Gruber.
1: You haven't? So. Oh, you're missing out on one of my favorite ninety minutes of comedy ever. Well, anyway,
0: um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it was really good, and I was listening to an interview with um Michael Showalter, and he was talking about how. During test screenings, um, one of his anxieties, based on the initial failed, um, I guess reception, critical reception of *What Hot*, oh. was that he was afraid that not everybody was get, gonna get the jokes. And oops, <laughs> I dropped something. But, <laughs> but I think that's an interesting fear because I think. If you think about the structure of a comedy, there's certain jokes you want everybody to get, but there's certain jokes that certain parts of the audience just aren't going to get.
1: Yes. I
0: actually... it's... I think that you... There are certain jokes that if you just... If you haven't seen, you've got mail. Yeah. That
1: you just aren't going to get in They Came Together, but um i actually haven't seen you've got mail so i'm okay. not 100 percent sure which jokes and so they you came together probably
0: didn't get a lot of jokes but that's okay and you still thought it was funny so yeah it's just interesting how that can be an anxiety
1: yeah well it's really funny because in uh there's an interview david wayne did it was on script notes and um they were actually talking about their test screenings and so just to fill everyone in so what this movie does is like in between, like, their story of them falling in love is them in the future at dinner telling the the story. Kind of, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that. But the thing is, um, those scenes weren't originally there, and they found in early test screenings that people weren't really getting all the jokes. The jokes weren't landing. So they decided to maybe... They decided they could try to add these uh, flash-forwards in, and then they added them in, and all the jokes started landing because... Mm -hmm. It's like it's weird because you have to. You think it's a bad thing that they have to explain that this is a this is a corny romantic comedy like to your face, but it really does help because I think it would have seemed like this very weird. I don't think it would have. I would have gotten the jokes if they didn't do those, but I think it really does work better. Yeah, I just, I, I agree. Sorry. I don't
0: know. I mean, I can't say if it worked better or not because I didn't see seen, the yeah. original.
1: But but I also heard um, a while ago when Mike Birbiglia was doing press for uh, Sleepwalk With Me, he had a similar problem in that he was originally going to have scenes in his movie where he looked at the camera like Ferris Bueller and said, here's, what happen- here's what's happening right now, and mm-hmm. then he decided to change it and make it in the future, and him saying, here's what happened, and then showing what happened, for some reason, that put the audience at ease. Yeah. I just find, I don't know why, that that seems to work so well for comedy. It's kind of like, I feel like in the way those characters are like, the audience. Like, they have Bill Hader and Ellie Kemper are at dinner with them, and it's like they're the audience reacting to this kind of almost implausible romantic story.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, it's almost they're sort of, themselves are a parody yeah. of the audience reaction.
1: Yes, that's true. Everything is a parody of something in this. There's a lot, there's la this thing, it has layers. It's like an onion. It's like Shrek.
0: Yeah. And I also uh, think that the it it's not a malicious
1: parody either. No, I it's loving. I think
0: they uh, they say they keep saying over and over that they love romantic comedies and their yeah. favorite movies are romantic comedies.
1: And that's what it's one of those things where you watch it and you feel like they watched, um, they've watched so many romantic comedies and that's why they know it so well.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So like they wouldn't have. I think most movie parodies, if you think of it, even the ones that seem malicious, malicious, they come out of love. Yeah, I like, agree like Blazing Saddles was basically Mel Brooks loved westerns but it was him trying to point out the things that westerns did wrong but he'd seen so many of them and that's why he did it so perfectly then mm-hmm. I thought it was one thing I thought was interesting I'm gonna try not to spoil anything but just one thing I kind of a lot of there were people saying this movie didn't really comment on romantic comedies a lot but there's just one you're kind of like I don't I, I, I hopefully this isn't spoiling too much but basically there's a point where you sort of see that the story they're telling is kind of blocking out a much darker truth and I think it's kind of saying that what people do like about romantic comedies no matter how much people complain about them is that it is really nice I guess to have these stories that are just like everything happens for a reason there's one perfect someone out there for you as opposed to the dark truth of life Mm -hmm. so I thought that was actually kind of a cool point
0: yeah.
1: Um, did you like Paul, enjoy Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler? Although I think that's impossible not to.
0: Yeah, I really liked them. They had great, weird, weirdly great, fake chemistry. Um, I thought a lot of the things that I liked about this were that um, some of the jokes would have held up in a in a less spoofy movie. I guess spoofy is a funny word. Spoofy, and... spoofy. Yeah, but, um, um, like, I thought the when they dressed up as Ben Franklin together would have actually, for Halloween, might have actually held up in another movie. That's just, like, a funny, weird thing.
1: Yeah, or, like, the part when, uh, what do you call it? There's a part when, when, uh, he goes, when Paul Rudd's at the bar and they keep doing this, like, tell me about it thing over and over again on loop. That's, I forget the other thing the bartender says. Yeah, that's very surreal. Their movies are really surreal too, and that's what that scene felt like. It could have been out of any movie, mm-hmm. and I like that as well.
0: I don't, I don't know if that could have been in any movie. No, not but, any. Um...
1: But I mean, it did. It was. It wasn't necessarily the kind of scene you saw in a romantic comedy. Is what I meant. Okay. Well. Okay. Um, I don't, Also, what was your favorite? <laughs> tr- what how? What trope of the romantic comedy do you think they kind of spoofed the best?
0: Uh. I don't know. Um it's hard to it's hard to think of it not as a whole. But um I liked the basketball thing.
1: Oh yeah, that was great. I really liked
0: that. Um I just I thought it was more about Paul Rudd's character than Amy Poehler's, and so I thought that was yeah. sort of interesting how they all they Focus on a lot of romantic comedies, focus on the women, ha- no, the oh, men, or on the man. yeah. I thought f- so. I thought that might have been purposeful or not, but I,
1: yeah, I don't know. That's possible. I feel like it was more him telling the story than her. Yeah, I also like the fact that I thought it was for her character. She kind of, I thought she combined like two different, like, cliche rom com characters, both like. The Ditz character and like the manic pixie dream girl in that there's always like stuff falling on her head and she's always falling downstairs, but she also owns this like quirky little candy shop and she loves fiction.
0: Well, I that I that's a direct, that's a direct parody of You've Got Mail, but
1: it is, yeah. <laughs> which which the bookstore scene is?
0: Um, no. In You've Got Mail, um, this is silly that I have to explain this. No, to you, go ahead, explain it, but, please. Um, um, and you've got mail. The point is that the Meg Ryan's character owns a bookstore, and Tom Hanks character owns, like, a big Barnes & Noble type oh store.
1: It's the exact so it's the exact same thing, because Paul Rudd's, in the movie, Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler's character owns a tiny candy shop, and Paul Rudd's character works for a giant candy company that wants to run her out of business. Yep. So that's that's the plot right there, basically. Yep. So yeah, it's this weird mishmash. Uh, Something I want to bring into this is, I don't normally like talk about other critics' reviews. Honestly, I try not to read other critics' reviews, which sounds weird because I write a lot of reviews. But I don't. I don't want other things necessarily factor my opinion. But the uh, the movies of like the Wet Hot American Summer crew, which as I will call them, have always had a very like love hate relationship with the press, starting with Wet Hot American Summer, which came out in two thousand one and was a critical and Box Office Bomb, and then over the years, like, start gaining a really good reputation as people watched it more, and today it's, like, considered a cult classic, and, like, a, it's mm-hmm. a great, it's a whole, it's, it's one of my favorite comedies, but, mm-hmm. um, I think that there's going, there. I think that They Came Together might face this kind of fate, because, you know, David Wayne, the last few movies he's directed have been actually more big studio comedies, and I loved Role Models, and I thought Wanderlust was 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 good and had its moments but not great but like those were definitely more like they were I don't I don't want to say by the number screenplays but like they followed like the kind of like plot you would expect a mainstream comedy to follow
0: yeah um I don't know if they were necessarily critically well received either though
1: I think role models it did really well role models did really well at the box office and critics at least liked it I think it was it was a big hit in theaters when it came out. I can remember that. I remember seeing it in a totally packed theater and seeing it again in theaters because I enjoyed it so much. But um I know yeah, Wanderlust was not a big hit with critics though, but um I wanted to just go back and share first of all, I wanna share one review from Wet Hot American Summer when it first came out, which is from Roger Ebert, who He's obviously, he's, like, the best critic that ever lived, but he was wrong a lot of times. You might not know that. And he gave, what, Hot American Summer one star out of four when it came out. And he, like, wrote this really scathing review of it, and he set it to the tune, the review of to the tune of Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. I'll link to it in the description because it's something he was probably really proud of when he wrote, and it seems like it'd be really creative, but he's just wrong about all of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you go and look at some of the reviews I've been I was reading through some of the reviews of They Came Together, I know you got to see some of them too, that were less than good. One I saw was from Anne Hornaday, who mm-hmm. might haven't she has an infamous reputation around these parts because she kind of accused the movie Neighbors as well as Seth Rogan of inspiring that the shooter that happened recently which was a really stupid opinion that she was just doing for clickbait but it was her review as as long as well as Linda Holmes' in an NPR and they were kind of saying all these things that what they thought was wrong with the movie but were the exact point of the movie yeah but I don't want to say that like all these critics are bad for criticizing a movie by David Wayne because it seems like a lot of his movies get a better reputation in the future and like mm-hmm. who knows they they might be right this movie might not have this movie might not have as good a reputation as what hot huh, american summer but like is it possible that their movies are kind of just critic proof
0: um i don't know i think i think that um with movies that are sort of parodies there's a sort of expectation of them to be um, I guess not try when you think about like all the scary movie movies that are yeah. just like incredibly silly and I think David Wayne and Show Walter movies and are 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 they border on silly and witty and I think that's an uncomfortable territory for a lot of people because I think mm-hmm. there's a sense that a lot of genre movies should be self reflexive in some respect and those yes. are the ones that sort of have to do it all all smart but a lot of a lot of genre movies don't and um i think i think
1: uh i don't know i feel like like not all genre movies i think people
0: are i think people are uncomfortable with with their style of comedy because it's so irreverent and different it's almost british it, it, it,
1: it, it is, it has, it is British-ish, Python-esque, whatever you want to call it. I think that they also just, like we talked about before, their comedy, usually, like, it, there's so much going on in it, and that, like, it you, or it's, it's so subtle that it really does reward repeat viewings, so just mm-hmm. seeing it once when it first comes out is often not enough. Yeah, I totally agree. But that was also interesting, what you were saying about genre, the expectation of genre movies being self-reflexive. And I feel like if all genre movies were self-reflexive, then genre wouldn't exist at all. But the mm. funny thing is about They Came Together is that it's both parody, but I think it could also call itself a romantic comedy, because it is.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is itself a romantic comedy, because it's a funny movie about people falling in love.
1: Yeah. One of the things that David Wayne had said he wanted to accomplish with this movie was to make Oh like just to make a typical romantic comedy, but make a romantic a really bad romantic comedy. So they were trying to make an intentionally bad movie here, which I don't normally like, because I don't like the whole Sharknado thing of like trying to be bad, but this is a different kind of trying to be bad. I don't I don't know how to describe it yet. I need to watch it a few more times.
0: Yeah. It's um it's it's it it itself isn't making fun of filmmaking, you know?
1: No, it, it knows- Scary
0: movie sort of does.
1: But scary movie also- Those movies, like, at least from what I've seen of them, are less about actually trying to make a point about the genre they spoof, and they're more about just, like, having, like, taking, like, Harry- Like, just taking somebody dressed up like Katniss Everdeen and then making them, like, poop in their pants. Exactly. And then that's the joke. Like, the punchline has nothing to do with the genre itself. And there are plenty of jokes in They Came Together that don't have to do with the genre themselves. But most of the best ones are commenting on the genre. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's, that really works. Um, do you have any other things you'd like to say about They Came Together? Anything at all?
0: Um, I liked it. And it'll grow on people who didn't like it. I guarantee it.
1: I liked it, too, and also I will say that Chris Maloney, keep doing comedies, not just Law & Order. Nothing wrong with Law & Order, but you're also really good in comedies. Was
0: he <laughs> is he even on Law & Order anymore?
1: What'd you say? Is he even on Law & Order anymore? Um, I don't know if he is anymore. I feel like... I can what never keep... I can never... I can never keep track of what's a new and what's an old Law & Order because I've only seen Law & Order in reruns. I don't even know when it airs on NBC. Law & Order's fascinating. We'll have to do a Law On La-
0: Wednesday nights.
1: Wednesday nights. I don't know if he's still on or not. We should do a separate Law & Order episode one day because Law & Order is interesting and I mean that in a good way.
0: Mayhaps, mayhaps.
1: Yes, mayhaps. Okay, so if you want to see They Came Together, which I think you should because um, it's better than Transformers, um, you can get it. It's um, currently in uh, select theaters right now, but will hopefully be expanding soon. But if you don't feel like waiting, you can just watch it from the comfort of your own home. It's on demand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That wraps up our, the future, everyone. That wraps up our review of They Came Together. Uh, don't turn that dial because we'll be right back. Last, uh, welcome oh, <laughs> um, Welcome back to the Real Deal Podcast, everybody. Um, we're just going to talk about what else uh, we've been watching this week. Well, not just watching, uh, consuming in general. So watching, listening to, reading, who knows. Uh, this week, uh, well, individually, Cassie and I have both been trying to catch up on Nathan for you because... We uh, hadn't seen it before, and the new season is actually debuting as we record this podcast. It's going to be on Comedy Central. Um, I've gotten to see the first five episodes, and it is real. It is an it is a really it is a really good show. But it's not like any comedy show that's on TV right now, which I say about almost every show on Comedy Central right now, except for Tosh because they have a really interesting lineup of shows right now. Um, how much of Nathan for you have you watched?
0: watched a few episodes. A few. I don't, um... I don't know how far I am because it was on autoplay and I was just, let Jesus take the wheel on that one.
1: So. <laughs> let auto take the wheel. Um, So Nathan For You basically is about this guy named Nathan Fielder. who's a mild-mannered Canadian with a business school degree who decides to go and help out businesses with these ideas that, like, Sometimes struggling businesses, and he helps. He gives them ideas that kind of sound like terrible ideas, but some of them actually work. And so the show's kind of a mix of sketch comedy and reality, and it's really hard to know where the line is drawn. Yeah. And he it's does really some funny. It's, it's really funny. He has this very dry sense of humor, and it's like really hard to even know when he's delivering jokes. He never smiles, Nathan Fielder.
0: No, he does not do
1: he's that. very you know who he reminds me of a little bit who? Dan Mintz, oh
0: yeah, a little bit
1: he just like has that like he just like he's very monotone and it works really well for the style of comedy, Mm-hmm. but it's just a very cool show idea, and it like kind of messes with the idea of reality shows and all those shows that are about helping struggling businesses and improving people's lives because. He actually, there's something, he does some pretty terrible things The <laughs> people. I don't, did you watch the one yet where he helps with the gas station rebate? No, I didn't watch that one. He just, I'll just say briefly, he tries, he c- tells this one gas station, one way to improve business is to have a, to give people a rebate. But the uh, twist is that you can only file for the rebate. If you take the rebate and hike to the top of this really tall mountain and put it into a mailbox and mm-hmm. his his reasoning is that, oh, like, nobody's gonna file for the rebate and they'll just pay for the gas. But it turns out that, like, a lot of people actually want the rebate. So the episode completely changes gears and it's him hiking up a mound with all these crazy, desperate people. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, very weird what it turns into. I won't say much more, I think it's something that you should watch, because it's one of the oddest half-hours of comedy I've ever seen. That's so in a, funny. But, in a um, really...
0: My favorite one was the... Pig Saves Goat. If you,
1: um... I I know about it, and I remember it actually happening in the news, because it was one of those stories that he did that, like, actually went viral and it turned out to be promotion for the show as well.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. And he's also the guy behind the whole dumb Starbucks thing.
1: Yeah, if you don't know about that, you should look it up.
0: Yeah, it's funny.
1: It's it's just very... It's just, like, it's kind of mind-boggling to think about how much it blends... Like fiction and reality, you don't really know which is which. Yes, so you it's should great. Yeah, so you should check out Nathan for you. Season two is starting now. I'm gonna try and catch up. I don't think it matters where you start, but I'm OCD about TV shows and like to watch them all. Okay, so now we're at that part where uh, we end the show by asking a question. So this week we were talking a lot about the the David Wayne's comedies, which sometimes like. A lot of it might go over your head when you first watch it, but the more you watch it, like sometimes if you watch the movie again and again, um, they get a lot better. So our question of the week is this week is, what's a movie you didn't really like the first time you saw it, but kind of improved on you after repeat viewings? Um, My movie is Pacific Rim. Which mm-hmm. a lot of people were crazy about, and for about a year I didn't understand, and I got in fights with people over it. I just thought it was kind of cheesy, and I thought like it had this one really big monster fight that happened like halfway through and that it peaked too early. And then I watched it again, and actually I found all those things made the movie awesome. Like It was kind of intentionally corny, but in a really genuine way, and what really made me appreciate it was seeing godzilla and realizing how dull that was as a monster movie and then it was so refreshing to watch pacific rim a monster movie that actually delivers exactly what it's promising that's what it is it says this is a movie where robots punch m- monsters in the face and that's what it is so now i am a pacific rim fan and i will totally buy a kaiju action figure if i could find one I'm um, sure yeah there's Uh, a
0: place on the internet for that
1: yeah they're very they're very expensive right now they might be rare but i've been going to a local uh dvd rental store and they have a little kaiju toy i don't know if it's on display or not but i'm really thinking about uh taking that big next step and asking them if i could buy it
0: well well uh good luck with that big decision
1: thank you i know it's it's a lot on my mind right now but uh cassie what's a movie you saw the first time and uh, didn't really like but it grew on you on repeat viewings Um, this is gonna sound weird,
0: but Bridesmaids. Huh. How come? I I don't know. I just, like, didn't... The first time I watched it, I was just like, meh, it's okay. And then the more I watched it, the more I liked it, and the more quotable it became, and just, I feel like that's, I feel like that's a totally bizarre point of view to have on that No, no, not at all. No. well liked i think i saw well, so i rim, think but... i was um just saw too much information on it
1: yeah that that happens beforehand no that can that's especially bad for comedy i remember before funny people came out like seeing they kept like posting all these clips from it and so much information and that kind of killed it for me i think for neighbors i also saw a lot of information before i saw it and now that's why i try to shun shun the press stuff before i see a movie that i really really want to see
0: yeah, I think I was just, like, underwhelmed when and I saw it at first, but now I love it a lot. Because
1: there's no more hype.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that that's an interesting point of view. Do you think it was, like, too long at all when you first saw it? Because that's one thing that people complain about a lot, is that it's very long for a comedy. No. It was probably... Yeah, so you prob- mean Bridesmaids? Yeah, Bridesmaids. I'm just curious. Is that something that bothered you at all, is it just maybe the hype? It might have, I don't know, I think I've blocked
0: out a lot of that time in my life, but, um, <laughs> I think, prob- probably, I don't know.
1: Yeah, either way, um, glad you're a Bridesmaids fan now, I happen to be, I actually know a lot of people that are Bridesmaids haters, and I don't understand it, I think Bridesmaids is great. Actually, I was just talking to our producer, Nick, before, and he said he's not a fan, I, uh. Huh. He's not well, we're Nick, not... Uh, you can uh, jump in a lake. Yeah, exactly, Nick. Just go uh, jump in a lake or go drive your car in a lake Michael Scott style. Jump
0: in a lake, you meathead. <laughs> Which is a quote from They Came Together.
1: Yes, that is a quote from They Came Together. I just realized, like I said, I need to watch it again because I want to quote it like crazy. But oh, one more question to the question. What made you watch Bridesmaids again? Because it's really hard when you see a movie that you're just meh about to find any reason to watch it again? Was there something that motivated you to see it again?
0: I got it for Christmas on DVD.
1: Oh. Yeah. I got it. And like I said, for me with Pacific Rim, it's because of Godzilla. Yeah. Um, okay, everybody. Well, if you want to answer that question, tell us some of the movies you hated the first time and uh, that you thought got better second time around, uh, send an email to us at ian, I-A-N at realdealblog.com and, uh, If we like your answers, uh, we'll put them on the show. And Mm. if we don't like your answers, then tough luck, kid. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, that concludes this week's episode of The Real Deal Podcast. Uh, Cassie, where can we find you this week?
0: Follow me on Twitter and Google me on the internet. I'm writing things and yeah, that is what I'm doing. So follow me on Twitter at Cassie Grimaldi, C-A-S-S-I-E
1: great um and as always you could find me at realdealblog.com r-e-e-l dealblog.com and uh you could find my full review of they came together and uh lots of other reviews and all the old podcast episodes uh you should also uh find the real deal podcast on itunes and hit subscribe and i'll try not to annoy you about that anymore but yeah that's the that's the end of our show right now. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, three keep two, it real. one, keep it keep it real, yeah. Keep it real. Keep it real, one.